So hello everybody, um, this is the first ever episode of the Save Barnegat Bay uh, weekly podcast. I'm Chris Landy. And I'm Britta Wenzel, the Executive Director of Save Barnegat Bay. I'm Willie DeCamp, President of Save Barnegat Bay. Alright, so the first thing I want to talk about this week um, is something that I think is still fresh in a lot of people's minds. Um, it's Sandy's impact on Barnegat Bay. All right, so just so that everybody's on the same page, let's go over a little bit what actually happened to the storm. What specific physical effects did Sandy have on the, the bay and the area? Well, for, for um, my experience of it, it was what I call a sort of a fog of war situation. I was you know, mm -hmm. hit by the hurricane. I evacuated to Brielle from my home in Nedeloki on the Barrier Island. And so to this day, I'm still piecing things together uh, conversationally and, and, and in other ways. And um, what, what mainly happened is you had this hybridized storm. It was part hurricane and part nor'easter. Mm -hmm. Both hurricanes and nor'easters, when they get to New Jersey's latitude, usually take off toward the northeast. They hit us with northeast winds, and then, strange though it may seem, they leave by going to the northeast. And this didn't. This big storm hit us with northeast winds, and it was, you know, a hurricane's uh, counterclockwise rotation, and it landed. And so after those big north and northeast winds, it hit us with south and southeast winds, mm -hmm. both off the ocean. So the sequence you had was first this big north wind which ate away many dunes in many places. And as it did that, it lowered the water level in the northern part of Barnegat Bay. So the tide gauge near Mandaloki went it went the, the water went below the tide gauge. Mm -hmm. Well, that and where was that water going? It was just being blown down to the uh, uh, southern end of the bay, and which is normal for Barnegat Bay. The water piles up in the downwind side of the bay. Then the storm landed with the eye coming you know, just north of Atlantic City, which is sort of us, mm -hmm. and where we were on the right-hand side of the eye, which is the worst place to be. So you had this storm surge, and that was really the biggest, I think, part of the storm was the surge. <laughs> And I, I wonder if the Weather Channel really emphasized that enough to people. Well, the storm surge raised the ocean like 13 feet or something. So, that, so when the storm landed, the ocean was at least 15 feet higher in water level than the bay. It overtopped a lot of dunes, and it created the inlet where the Mandaloking Bridge is. It wasn't just that inlet. That inlet was a huge problem, but it just over, it overtopped the, the dunes globally, really. So then the, the bay really started to fill with water. The wind shifted to the south, as you know, in accordance with the counterclockwise rotation around the eye. And the water from the southern part of the bay now came roaring up to the north side of the bay, and. Different people have different time estimates, I guess, when your emotions are up. But pe people on the west side of the bay were just amazed, first of all, by the fact that they were flooding at all. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of neighborhoods 
never thought they'd see water for understandable reasons. And they were amazed by how fast it came up. And, um, and so you know, the sort of dual problem of, of the waves wiping out houses and the storm surge wiping out houses and the water level coming up so very much from both storm surge off the ocean and the uh, water coming up the bay. All right, so going back to um, just kind of the, the three main questions that I think everybody has um, coming back to the shore this summer is, is it safe to swim in the bay? Is it safe to boat in the bay? And is it safe to eat out of the bay? So I mean, the, the first one, is it safe to swim in the bay, more or less? So I think if we're, we're talking about water quality, you know, in terms of whether or not you can go in the water and, and, and not come out with an earache or, <laughs> or some sort of um, you know, health trouble. All of the reports that have been coming back from the State Department of Environmental Protection and the Ocean County Health Department are showing that the water quality is good in Barnegat Bay and has been fairly consistently since the storm. Uh, so in terms of water quality, we're still hitting fairly good marks. Um, I think on the physical level of whether or not the bay is safe to swim, this year's probably a really good year to wear shoes, <laughs> whether you're in the oh, ocean yeah. or the bay. You know, get yourself either a pair of old sneakers or um, some sort of good water sports shoe. And um, even for your, your children, um, to make sure that your feet are protected, there's a lot of nails, glass, wood, mm -hmm. you know, things that are just going to show up as tide cycles, you know, reveal them from sediment um, under the bay or they get, you know, loosened from something they're caught on on the bottom of the bay or the ocean and, and turn up. So I think in general, people have to be a little more conscious than mm -hmm. they have been in, in past years because we did just have a massive storm event. And the other thing that I think on a safety level people should be paying attention to closely this year is to be at guarded beaches and make sure that if you do go swimming that there's somebody around that's either on land or on the boat that you know you can get help from if you do need it um, and certainly if you do find things while you're in the water larger debris items it would be good to notify uh, an agency government coast guard and marine police so that you know we can make sure it gets removed from the waterway and doesn't cause an accident going forward and that would and down in seaside even on the ocean side they keep pulling rides out of the uh, the water i've seen two or three articles on that just even the past two weeks yeah it's kind of interesting uh chris this question because i think if you don't live in the shore area your perception maybe from the news media is that all of these things are happening on the ocean right the mm -hmm. pictures of the houses on the ocean with so much wave damage and such and of course the images of the roller coaster and the boardwalk and it's true there's debris in the ocean but as willie was explaining this storm surge passed over the island and into the bay and in fact dumped a lot of the you know household things that were out in people's yards everything from docks to sheds to you know lawn and patio furniture into the bay there's been a tremendous effort to pick all that debris up but it's a big bay and you know things as i said are going to loosen up so a lot of the debris is actually you know was 
dropped off by the storm surge into the bay and the marsh areas. Here's an example. I mean, really, you were telling me earlier about um, a stoplight on by your corner that had been found a mile from from where it was. Well, Britta, on behalf of Save Ronnegat Bay, has organized many gigantic cleanups um, off of the marsh in, in Brick and in Manahawken and in other places. And um, Britta maybe could tell us some interesting things about what trash ended up where, what, let's not call it trash, what debris ended up where. Um, I guess it was mostly floating material, but sort of one of the most charismatic pieces of debris was found at a cleanup that Save Barnegat Bay did with the Brick Eco Warriors. And it was in the Swan Point Park section of Brick near Gale Road, and sort of west of Beaton's Boatyard. And uh, a volunteer named Chris Claub found the traffic light that had been at the intersection of Herbert Street, that's bought Route 528, and Route 35 North. It was the left-hand signal <laughs> as you were going north, and it was a full mile away. Mm -hmm. So you get a feeling that just how, how the water just must have been roaring through there. But I think Britta can, can um, tell us interesting things, because she's coordinated so many marsh cleanups about what was found where and how people's emotions were touched and um, uh, just the variety of it. Yeah, I can touch on that for a moment. I mean, we have probably been doing cleanups in natural areas most of my life, um, but this is very different when you're picking up people's household belongings and personable items, uh, really picking up people's lives out of the marshes. We really started partnering with some other environmental groups to help picking up the sensitive areas, uh, the marshlands, the federal properties, the wildlife refuge. Um, but quickly we learned that this was an enormous task. And uh, we've scheduled, I don't know how many cleanups we've done now, dozens anyway. And we, we ended up learning uh, that as you looked at the debris field in the various marshes, you could tell exactly what neighborhood it came from on the island. Isn't just, that sad? It is Which sad. Is sort of a, it really brings home the human side of it. Yeah, we found uh, folks who had homes or businesses in Manilokan where the breach was. Um, their belongings were found, for example, in F Cove, Gale Road. Uh, then as you move a little further south in Bricktown into the Wildlife Refuge, we were finding um, in one particular pocket, an area called St. Lawrence Boulevard, Baywood section, we found almost all of Camp Osborne, uh, where the buildings had burnt down. They were circa 1950s you know, buildings with all similar structures. And uh, we found almost all of Camp Osborne in there. And then a little bit further down the marsh, um, heading over to, I think it's Cedar Island Road, uh, we found a good part of Ortley. Uh, we found the front door to the chapel from Ortley um, and mailboxes from Ortley. The chapel on Third Avenue? The yes. The Episcopal Chapel. Yes, we found their front door. Did, you, did we get We returned to it to them, Isn't yes. Nice? <laughs> um, and we were actually successful in reuniting folks with, you know, pieces of their lives, uh, which in some of our cleanups, we actually had the homeowners come out 
and you would just find somebody, you know, on their knees crying <laughs> because they found something either they recognized from a neighbor's home or maybe from their own home. And we had a few people actually have to leave because mm -hmm. they just were overwhelmed by emotion. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting, Britta, because that area of Mandalay in Brit or, or Cedar Island Drive, or Shore Acres, uh, a year ago and two years ago was a big center of attention for what we used to think of as the day's biggest problem, in a sense we still do, which is excess nitrogen. Mm -hmm. And there was so much seaweed in the bay, and, and the south wind piled it up on the shoreline in that part of Brick, and it uh, started decomposing, and it put out hydrogen sulfide gas, uh, H2S, which is poisonous. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a very dramatic example of eutrophication of Barnegat Bay. And then uh, flash forward to post Sandy, and this, this uh, very same place is, is a vivid example um, of all the things coming all the way from Ortley, which is a long way. It is that's a long a, that's way. several miles. When you look at the map, it is a very long way. Um, so it was sort of ground zero again for uh, the the new types of problems that Sandy revealed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the other thing that people need to keep in mind, and this really talks to you know the swimming, the boating, and the seafood, um, is that a lot of the debris that was larger, for example, boats, cars, docks, uh, sheds, that is really what the contractors who are working for the state were able to take a crane and, and pull out of the bay. They were running side scan sonars to find that debris and then scoop it out of the bay onto barges and remove it. But there is lots of little things like, uh, which are household hazardous wastes, like uh, you know paint cans, um, fire extinguishers, propane tanks from barbecues, you know, things that are smaller, maybe wouldn't show up easily on a side scan sonar or be easily picked up, for example, mm -hmm. by a large crane. Um, and those things will be uh, degrading in the bay, uh, unfortunately. Uh, paint cans are made very thin now and for a purpose, you know, so they're not using a lot of natural resources, but they're probably going to degrade in one, one summer and then you're going to have toxic inputs into the bay and we don't we really at this point like Willie said the fog of war we don't really know what that means mm -hmm. you know people don't want to be alarmist but having been out there myself and you know seeing what's in the debris field there is a significant amount of household hazardous wastes uh, that we picked up but that just means there's more out there mm -hmm. uh, just think of the number of garages that were washed into the into the bay by the okay. storm surge. Exactly. And all their contents. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't know. Yeah, so what does that mean going forward to water quality, to wildlife, you know, to safety if your prop hits a propane tank? Oof. You know, I mean, there's a lot of potential for accidents to occur, but people need to be smart and aware is really what I try to generally message. More aware than past years. Um, so hopefully we don't have any. So yeah, just basically, you know, 
if you're going to be in the bay this summer, be careful. Wear shoes. Uh, pay attention to what you're stepping on. And that kind of leads into the next question, is it safe for boating and recreation? Which I think we kind of covered in the last one, but just kind of um, to go over it a little bit. I mean, what kind of precautions do you think we need to be taking going back out on boats or going back out just in general uh, out on the bay? Well, in my mind, uh, one of the major issues that, from a recreational boating point of view, is the changes in the bottom of the, the bay, particularly on the east side, where sediments have moved or sand has, you know, uh, been washed over onto the east side and... You know, where last year maybe you were uh, boogie boarding or, you know, water skiing or, or boating in an area, so you assume that this year it would be safe to navigate that area. I, I would suggest that folks slow down and don't assume that, that areas are safe. The dredging has only just begun about a month ago, and it will be ongoing through the summer and into the fall. And... Um, the major navigational channels are open, but anywhere outside of the channels, you really need to proceed with caution and probably monitor channel 16. We're not hearing reports coming off the water, and we're, we're into the summer now, um, of you know, huge problems with people running into things. But you do hear anecdotes, and I, you know, I was talking to some women the other day down in Weartown, who heard that uh, someone hit, hit a car in the bay uh, off Barnegat, off Double Creek, mm. and that's on the west side of the bay. The certainly the east side, where the storm surge just carried things into the into the bay, is where one would expect the most surprises or the most new shoals. But on the west side, it can too, because you know there's a lot of water moving around everywhere, and it could you know just any anywhere where a point of land sticks out, water could be coming off land into the bay. So, so sort of uh, prudence is uh, uh, advised. Mm -hmm. It's always advised in boating, but maybe a little more so now. So again, just be, be aware that a lot of things have changed since last year and that there are still a lot of hazards potentially out there. Um, so I mean, there's no reason to not go boating or swimming, but just you know, take it with a air of caution. You say that's yeah. accurate? Yes. I mean, the bay is still the fabulous place that it was before, but it's a different shape. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's you know, the, the unknown. Because it's just, in a certain sense, it's in accord with all aspects of, recor of recovering from these storms. Kind of feel as we go in, in all areas uh, of life. This is no playbook for hurricane recovery. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks, like if, if you weren't able to visit the shore, you know, in the last six months after the storm, it's looking pretty good down here, really. Uh, oh, it looks, with, it looks way better now than it did when I first came down to see it in December. Right, and so even this morning we had a young woman stop in to see us, and, and she had seen the shore for the first time last night and then today in daylight, and she was overwhelmed with what she saw and we're sitting here saying it looks great, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I think, you know, on the one hand, you know, you can ride by a building and think, well, gee, the building's standing and it looks pretty good, but you don't realize that they had, you know, water inside and, and perhaps, in some cases, in Ortley, six or eight feet of water inside the buildings. Um, but, you know, 
just because you don't see right away that something is out of place, you know, especially in natural areas, even uh, captains of vessels that have been operating on these waters for long periods of time have had issues because we are in hurricane recovery mode. And so mm -hmm. people just need to be conscious about that and try to make good decisions. Well, if, if your frame of reference is last summer, things look god awful. Yeah. <laughs> if it's the day after Sandy, things are coming along. Right. Um, one thing I want to put in is that a, one good uh, measure of water quality is whether the state has opened shellfish beds mm -hmm. uh, uh, to the same degree as they did before the storm, which they have. And that's something optimistic that sort of speaks to basic water quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The bay did look a little murky during the winter to me. and. Um, I, we never did quite find out whether that was, you know, a different regime of phytoplankton, of you know, mini seaweed in the water, or whether that was sort of 